lost my clicker. That's what happens, man. I just lose everything, I swear. It makes me crazy. Anyway, we don't need it today. Anyway, can you, there you go. Thanks. Um, so we're going to continue worship today through studying the Word of God, sharing the Word of God, just listening. Oh, thanks. Tyler Bryant, man. Right on. Thanks, bro. Um, see, everything's somewhere. <laughs> you just got to ask. It's all here somewhere. Um, we're going to actually start uh, or continue this morning in our um, third week in the series. And I want to say to you again before we jump into this that um, we are doing something different starting the week after next. Um, which is the beginning of Advent season, and we're going to just have a full-on Christmas celebration. So we're really, some of us are really excited about that. I've been hearing some feedback, not everyone's excited, but hey, whatever, man. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Um, and that just means like just leading up to Christmas where we can go full bore, celebrating, expecting, you know, Jesus's arrival, um, but uh, just celebrating the season. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what God does with that um, I say that to say a couple of things that I would invite you to do. Um, the first would be to invite friends and family who maybe would never come to church just to come hang out for Christmas, because it's a time of year that people get it, what it's about, um, and it's an awesome opportunity to say, hey, come hang out with us. Uh, the second thing it, I would invite you to do is um, to consider maybe getting involved. We're going to hopefully have people reading scripture. I've not heard from anyone yet, by the way, on this, but um, during the service, people who are willing to pray during the service and just kind of change things a little bit for us, just for the season of Advent, so mixing it up a little bit. Um, and then the third thing, and I should have promised this earlier, is that um, we are, we're kind of um, kicking off that thing at the lighted parade. The lighted Christmas parade happens um, the day after Thanksgiving in Highland. And I know most of you had opportunity to uh, offer your opinions and all that. And we were in a statistical dead heat on that. And um, so I wanted to share with you that we actually decided, a leadership team met Tuesday night, and taking all of the information into consideration, really it was almost dead even across the board. Lots of, but the good thing was a lot of people wanted to be involved in the parade in some way. And so someone, I don't, I'll blame Lance Carpenter, but someone said something about, is our office anywhere near this parade route? And we're like, it's actually right on the parade route. And someone's like, well, why don't we just like serve there, um, be in the crowd, giving out cocoa, maybe coffee, and just being in that area. Um, and so we're figuring that out. So if you want to help with that, let me know. If you, and it's not to say that we talked about, we have floats every year up to now. We've walked in the parade um, every year up to now, but just trying something different. And um, by the way, here's the caveat. Some of you voted to stay home and stay warm, but the cool thing is the office is going to be really warm too. So... <laughs> You know, if you've been to our office, you've got that big glass fishbowl thing. You could just sit there and, like, watch the parade from the heat and make fun of the people in the cold, you know? Uh, it would be great. What a, what a Christian witness that would be, you know? I'm not, you know what I mean? Just mock them and stuff. That'd be fun. So come out, hang out, um, give out some cocoa. That'd be super cool. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I know some of you are going to do Black Friday shopping, but it's that evening. You're going to be, you know, exhausted. Just come and sit down and watch a parade and hang out with us. That'd be cool. Um, if you have ideas, we want to decorate the office space. We've got to figure out this how to give out cocoa and coffee things. So if you have connections, like maybe in the catering business, we can get some big of those big dispensers. Because um, I imagine we'll get a lot of takers on that deal. So um, let us know, and I'd love to have your help with that as well, okay? But all that's going to kind of kick off the Advent celebration starting the 30th of, of November. So um, come and, and hang out. Like I said, invite your family and friends. Um, and just be, be expectant yourself, you know. The season of Christmas is really about this amazing advent of God's great love for the world. Uh, and uh, 
it's, it's just something we can't say enough of how much of a miracle it is that God loves us in that way, um, that he would care to show up for you and me in our lives. I mean, that's the ridiculous gospel, that he would come to you where you are and meet you where you are. Um, and that's the story of Christmas. So we're super excited to, to celebrate that. So we're going to have two more weeks then in this uh, series called The Gospel Means Go. And um, today I want to start by sharing with you from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And I just want to share a few verses that Jesus taught. I always want us to understand as a church and as followers of Jesus that everything that is said in Scripture is rooted in who Jesus is. I mean, Jesus himself said um, that he didn't come to abolish the law. That would be the Old Testament, the First Testament, but he came to fulfill it. That all the, all the things were said about um, the coming Messiah were about him and, and that we have to understand that as believers in Jesus that everything in Scripture points towards Jesus. And if there are spots that you're like, man, I don't see where that's true, work that out in your faith because the truth is that there's one God, and we believe that, and it's the same God. And so it's not like there's multiple gods, and we just kind of pick our favorite, and Jesus is our favorite God. Jesus is the only true God. And that's what he said when he came. He said, I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Um, he said so many more things um, about himself that were just profound realities of who he was. And so I always want us to understand that things we're talking about are rooted in Jesus' own teaching. And I'm going to share with you from Matthew chapter 5. It's, it's funny. We sang the... Um, a song this morning that had this very, we're not going to cover that part, but it had the very um, lyrics were from Matthew 5. So Jesus, it says, when he saw the crowds, he went out on the mountain and he sat down. Now listen to this. His disciples drew near to him and he began to teach. And I want you to hear one teaching. He, this is a famous Sermon on the Mount thing that Jesus did. Sermon on the Mount, right? The greatest sermon ever preached. Um, but in verse 43, Jesus said this, you have heard it said Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise. Look, listen, let me reread that. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. This, this high teaching from Jesus, and today we're going to talk about that, um, love for your enemy or those people. That's what we're going to talk about. So um, I'm going to read the verse uh, we're going to cover from Jonah, and I pushed it a minute ago there. I think it's on page 646, if you use one of our Bibles. Jonah 4, just a few verses here, and we're going to spend some time considering the Scripture. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry, Scripture says. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, because it is better for me to die than to live. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and we're going to talk about those scriptures today.
Uh, Father God, I just thank you so much for all of my friends who are gathered here and uh, those who maybe are coming for the first time today to, to hear from you. They did not come here to hear from me, Father, and I did not come to hear from myself. I came to hear from you, the wisdom of your Holy Spirit, the presence of your reality in our lives. And, and, and Father, only you can do that. I mean, I am just so convinced in my very being that only you, the true God who speaks, the God who's active and real and present in our lives, can can invade our lives and our hearts in such a way that we would have no choice but to surrender to you, that we'd be compelled to believe the good news of Jesus. And so today I ask that you would have great mercy on your people as we come seeking you, that you would inspire us through the power of your Holy Spirit to understand what your word says, that we would um, let it transform our lives and that that you would fully change us uh, from our broken, sin-filled state into a fully redeemed believer in the gospel. May you do that work. And if it is your will, may you do it in the lives of everyone gathered here. Would you draw us to yourself today as we honestly and earnestly seek your wisdom and your blessing? We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, it's funny because the series is about four distinct calls. I told you that. Um, a call is like this idea of a vocation, you might say, right? Um, it's not about certain people, but it's about God speaking in your life and us listening. We talked about that last week, right? Listening for God. And the reality is that um, Jonah was called by God. Jonah was called by God. Now, I want to share with you a, a backup one probably one page, it might be on the same page, depending on your Bible. Um, I want you to hear the first three verses of the book of Jonah. It says, the word of the Lord, that's Yahweh, came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Amittai, I'm going to say that's the way it goes. Um, Go to the great city city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, isn't that a crazy story? I mean, we hear, you know, so many of us, maybe you would think about a response to the call of God in your life as if, duh, you're going to go. You know what I mean? Like if God said, hey, I got work for you to do, our mindset as Christians would be like, we should all be like, yes, sir, let's go. You know what I mean? I'm on mission with you. I'm ready, Jesus. Take me there, you know? But the Bible is so much more complex. The stories of those who believe the gospel before us is so much more complex than that. And here what we see in the opening part of Jonah is that God called Jonah to go to, this, to Nineveh, and he fled from the Lord, Right? I don't know, how many of you heard Jonah's story before? Just to give me an idea, right? Almost everyone, I mean, has heard this story, and, and, want, and most of you heard it kind of the way you heard the Noah story, you know, like the baby-themed decoration version of Jonah, you know? And we've kind of put it on the kid's shelf, you know? We'll be like, well, that's the Cocoa Puff cereal, you know what I mean? Uh, Raisin Bran is up here, I don't know, that's t- total... I don't know, whatever cereal goes on the top shelf for boring adults. But the, the silly Jonah and Noah, those stories go down here on the kid's shelf. The kids can understand that, right? Listen, man, these, this dude was a real uh, man, and he was a prophet. Um, I want you to understand about Jonah and his story. And we're not going to talk a whole lot, um, but I want to talk about his call to a very hard thing. You see, Jonah was the son of truth. I told you, it says in the scripture, Amittai, that means truth in Hebrew. 
And so literally the text says, Jonah, the son of truth, was called to Nineveh, right? I mean, so Jonah was a righteous dude. I mean, he got it. Like, he was, you know, Yahweh, yeah. You know, I was going to say Yahweh, yes way, but that'd be a little cheesy, you know? But Yahweh, I'm there, dude. Yahweh, let's do it. Yahweh, holy God, righteous, pure, like, you know, melt in his presence kind of God. And Jonah, the son of truth, when he heard what God wanted to do, turned around and flat ran away. He fled from the Lord. What is going on with Jonah? There's actually a story about Jonah's prophecy. It comes in 2 Kings, and it talks about how he prophesied about Israel and things were going to happen in Israel. I mean, so it, it's, it's really unfair of us to treat Jonah, his totality of his life, from this experience. But this is part of his experience, running from God. Now, maybe you're like me, and you would go, well, he probably ran from God because... Um, he was afraid of God, right? Um, or he was afraid of, of, of um, displeasing God or, or, or something like that. He, he, you know, he was like you, maybe that's because I was like that, right? I mean, I was really afraid of the reality of God. I've told this story before, but honest, honest to God, um, I was an atheist, and I would argue with Christians except for the Christians that I was afraid to argue with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I didn't really want to be confronted with my sin. I just wanted to tell people, like, I was right, and they were wrong. And so people who were learned or studied, I wouldn't you know, go sit down with him, have an honest conversation. Um, I, was like a, I was like a drive-by guy, you know, I just blast him on the streets and head on my way in my sin. Um, but that, so that's my rejection of God was like that, you know. But not Jonah, he was a righteous guy. See, Jonah had a different problem, and maybe we have this in the church. That's why I talk about the gospel means go. Um, Jonah was called to people that he couldn't stand. Huh? I mean, the scum of the earth. Did, did you hear what the scripture said about the people in Nineveh? Their wickedness, and some of your Bibles might say their great wickedness has risen up before me. I mean, the, the smell, the disgusting smell of these people had infiltrated the nostrils of the Yahweh, the God who made everything, to the point that he told his prophet, I want you to go to Nineveh. And preach a message. And you know what the message you wanted to preach? Repent or you'll be destroyed. Go tell those people to stop it or they're going to be killed. They'll be removed from the earth by me. I'm sick of it. But Jonah was more sick of those people. Right? Those people. Man, I hear that and I think, what? What? So many of us come to church when we talk about the gospel and Jesus and what he's doing and how awesome he is. But man, what if God called you to those people? I mean, what if God called you to those people? Do you have people in your mind right now that you would say, no way, Lord? And I'm not going to sit here and say that's the people he's calling you to. I'm not God. I'm not going to say that to you, you know? Maybe he's called you to the saints. Maybe he's called you to the safe Christians. Maybe he's called you to these safe little circles of your life. But maybe God is breaking through in your heart in some ridiculous way, and he's saying, I want you to go there, and I want you to say that. Huh. That's different. All of a sudden now, this Jonah story is different because I feel it in my heart. 
We talked to him this morning, Terry prayed that God's Holy Spirit would be ministering to us here, speaking to us, present with us here. That's not a joke. We want God to break through in your life. That's radical prayer. But when that happens, like God says stuff that's hard and are called to be obedient, you and I are, to those things. Would you go there? Or would you say hard things? You would think Jonah, the son of righteousness, would have no problem going to them and saying, you're sinners. Your stench has offended God, right? Because he believed that. But the part he didn't want to talk about was repent. Stop it. Stop it. I, um, I wonder... Now listen to me, church. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. Um, I wonder, as you watch what's happening in your life, and as you watch what's happening in the world around you, are there people that you would just as soon go to hell? Just go to hell. Go. Oh, I serve a righteous God who's going to make all things right. His justice is coming. It's imminent. And you have sinned egregiously against me and against God. And you are going straight to hell. I mean, okay, some of you are nice people. And you're like, Bill, there's nobody. I want to go to hell. I'm a good Christian, you know. How about people who don't look like you? How about people who are evil? Who do evil things? How long will the saints' blood cry out for righteousness? Lord, send them to hell. See, that's part of our experience. I mean, sometimes we can't admit it to people who are closest to us, right? That's the hard. But we look at people around the world and we're like, they can go to hell, though. You know? You might say, well, Bill, I don't believe. I, I, want, I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everyone to go to heaven. I want everyone to know about Jesus. I want everyone to be forgiven for their sins, but I'm not going to go tell them. What? You know what that says? Go to hell. You believe Jesus delivers from salvation, delivers to salvation, delivers from hell, to heaven, to eternal presence with God, to peace, to reconciliation, to restitution, to this restoration in, in God's name. You know what I mean? This righteousness comes up, and you don't want that for someone else? No. If God wants it done, he'll send someone else. Then why is he talking to you about it? Maybe right now. See, Jonah, he had all these things. He's just like us, man. He, and he's like a prophet. He's like, I, I believe, I know Yahweh, I'm, but I'm not going there. I'm not, somebody else could do that. I'm not going to do it. I refuse. See, Jonah himself uh, preferred God's strict judgment. <laughs> By the way, isn't this funny that we all want God's judgment as soon as we're saved? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We want the rapture now. We talked about that this morning. We want God's justice now. We want the, the, uh, the righteous you know, uh, condemnation of sin in the world now. We want the wicked to pay for their sins now, but only because we just barely got out of hell ourselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it was yesterday, it was too early because I wasn't saved yet, but tomorrow is just perfect because I'm saved. Come on, church. Oof. Jonah was the same way. 
Strict judgment, righteous judgment. Interestingly, though, and I want you to see this, Jonah was openly disobedient to God. He wasn't hiding it under the rock. He wasn't going to go in there and kind of be like, repent, repent. You know what I mean? Nobody heard me, Lord. It's all your fault. You know, he didn't even go. He bought a ticket going the other direction. He left the scene. And I'm not going to get into the story. You can read it yourself. It's only four chapters, by the way. It's a great little book. But in his disobedience, don't miss this, God shows Jonah mercy. We might be like, oh, that was, that was punishment, the way he treated Jonah. No, it was love. Jonah, you are my prophet. Jonah, you will go to Nineveh. And he continually, graciously demonstrates his mercy to Jonah in Jonah's disobedience. It's funny to me that Jonah, who would want righteous judgment, himself was being offensive to God. That's how many of us are, isn't it? We ourselves are disobedient to God, but we want his righteousness in other people's lives. Lord, call them to account for disobedience. Call them to account for their sin. But we don't want God to call us to account for our disobedience or our sin and not going and not listening and not obeying him. God called Jonah multiple times. I want you to see in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, um, then, now this is after kind of Jonah tried to run away. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. What? The great city. And proclaim to it the message that I give to you. A second time, God tells Jonah the same thing. I'm not stopping. I'm serious. I want you to go here and preach this message to these people. God called Jonah again and again. Um, and this is good news because all of a sudden we go, okay, you might be like, Bill, I've been disobedient to God in the past. We all have. He's, he's enduringly patient, though. Listen to him. He'll continue to tell you, go do that. Go be obedient in that thing. And I don't know if you feel that, but I find that in my life, I mean, God's relentless in his seriousness about what he's asking me to do. Will you go? And will you do it? Multiple times he calls him. God called Jonah to a, we're just looking at his call, okay? God called Jonah to a specific group of people, now don't miss this, in a specific time. That means that he had Jonah right where he wanted him. He knew what he wanted said. He knew who he wanted to hear it. And all these things of God's sovereignty ought to give us encouragement as followers of Jesus when we think about, well, the gospel means go, go where? I mean, God has you where you are for a reason, it's no mystery. We've talked about this. It's no mystery you're in your family. It's no mystery you're at your job. It's no mystery that you're, you're you know, sensing God's spirit the way you're sensing it. God has called you to a purpose in your life. And, and it is for, uh, it's all very situational. I can tell you that this is the amazing thing about the way God works, is that when you're obedient in those moments to his spirit, he, he works, and we're all amazed. And you would think all of us want to be part of that. Yeah, I want to be part of what God's doing. But how many of us are disobedient when God tells us to go? Interestingly enough, and I find this, I don't have, have this figured out, but ultimately, if you don't know the story, Nineveh repents. We're talking about the impact of Jonah's forced, I would almost say, coerced obedience. He is obedient. Um, but that, that, um, Jonah, that God kind of ends up making Jonah a liar, sort of. You see, Jonah didn't want people to repent. 
And so he said, repent or you'll be destroyed in 40 days. And he kind of had the countdown on for these people. 40 days, you're going to be wiped off the earth. And that was what Jonah was really hoping for. Jonah really didn't want repentance. He didn't really want them to be saved. And in a way, as a prophet, <laughs> and I want you to remember the people that you would like to see go to hell, if God saves them, what are you to do? What are you to do? I've talked to some of you about things that have happened in your life, and you struggle, man. You're like, you know what? If I get to heaven and that so-and-so is there, I'm out. C.S. Lewis talked about that, man. If there are people that God has redeemed by his grace and mercy that, and that you're so bitter about, that's something, there's something wrong there. Because the message is repent and believe the good news. And we ought to celebrate those who believe. So in a way, Jonah becomes a bit of a liar because he says you're going to be destroyed because that's what he wants. But he doesn't really want repentance. He wants destruction. And then the funny thing is, and this is the end of the book, and we read from it um, in, in verse 4. But Jonah, now read it again with me. Now I've told you a bit of the story. Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry after Nineveh repented and was saved, was spared. He was greatly displeased and became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, I knew you were a merciful God. I knew... This is exactly, look what he says. This is exactly what I said when I was still at home. I knew if I went around there and preached the good news, they were gonna, you were going to forgive them. They were going to repent. And if they repented, you would forgive them. I knew this was an outcome, so I didn't even want to go there. So angry with God. He's so displeased with God's mercy and grace. And the irony is he doesn't see it in his own life. It is by God's grace that Jonah's been spared. That's why I was so quick to run to Tarshish, he says. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God. Listen to these words. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sin and calamity. And yet Jonah's angry about that. How could you be so good? How could you be so fair? How could you be so loving? He's frustrated. Frustrated with God. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, so a couple, couple of things about Jonah's impact. Now, I want to talk about this. So we're, it's easy to be down on Jonah and be like, bad Jonah, bad Jonah. But like I said, he was a man of God. He was a prophet of God. God used him in spite of himself, really, in this case, um, but had great impact. A few things that happened. Um, Jonah himself got to experience God's mercy and power firsthand and repeatedly in his life. Because God was not going to give up on Jonah. And I love that part of the story. Because some of us feel like if we fail God one more time, he's going to wash his hands and walk away from us. And I'm not, I'm not saying so be openly disobedient. But I'm saying look at God's enduring patience with Jonah. No, come over here. It's like a toddler. No, we're coming over here. That's the way God treats us. No, this is, you're going, to, this is going to be good for you. We're going to do this thing. This is going to be better. Jonah gets to experience God's mercy firsthand and his great power in this world. Um, even in disobedience, which is amazing. Uh, a huge number of wicked people get to, uh, are offered the opportunity to repent and believe, and the stench of their lives stops. You know what I mean? I mean, God says, go down there because of their great wickedness, but because Jonah says repent and believe, they have this kind of um, new thing. A bunch of wicked people repent, man. If you ever want to read about repentance, if, you know, one of the things that was hard this week is as um, I was reading uh, Jonah's call and the story of Nineveh, of course, I wondered, do we repent in that same serious way? These people were serious. 
Um, even to this, <clears throat> listen to this, a king, a king submitted to God's authority. I, um, I love this picture of a king who got off his throne, right, where he had absolute right to be in his kingdom. He got off his throne and he got on his face. He took off his royal robes. He put on sackcloth, which is like potato sacks, kind of like a, just a real, um, what is that, burlap? And, and he put ashes on his head and face. And he sat in the streets and he wept for their sin. And he called everyone in his dominion to do the same thing, to repent and to weep for your sin, to be broken before God. A king, I wonder how many of us would expect that if we went and shared the gospel, a king would come off his throne to submit his life to Christ. But that's exactly what happened here. He totally laid his heart down before the God of the universe because he's not ultimately in charge. The king isn't in charge. God is. And at the obedient preaching of Jonah, he, that's huge, man, impact of his ministry. But the other thing, and I love this, this is my VeggieTales line, Jonah never really got it. Exactly. <laughs> Sad but true. After all of that, and after everything he's seen, he's mad. Because of God, I want to talk just for a minute, man, about those people. How many of us, you know, are okay with Christians if they look like us? Huh? But not those people, right? No, God. You can't have mercy on those people. I want to read, I love this, man. It gets lost in this book, I think. In chapter 2, I want to read two verses, 8 and 9. This is when Jonah has been spared the ocean, and the fish. I want you to read. This is a, a prayer. It's a great prayer, but the end of his prayer says this. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. I mean, this is the dude that wouldn't go to Nineveh yet, right? Those who cling to worthless idols, false gods, false religion, anyone who's not Yahweh, God, the creator, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. They give it up. They don't even show up for the game. They just quit. But Jonah says, I, with a great song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord, Yahweh. That is an incredible prayer to hear out of Jonah's lips before he goes to Nineveh. And then after that prayer, he's still upset about the salvation of God. It boggles the mind, except that many of us as Christians are in the exact same position in our lives. So I wonder, as we wrap up here, have you resisted God's voice in your life? Simple question. Has there been a time? God says, go here, do that, and you don't. God says, come here, listen to this, and you don't. I'm telling you, and I have. I have, I do, I shouldn't, I do. It happens. No good, man. Nothing good comes from it. Resisting God's call in your life. Um, have you ever openly disobeyed, uh, disobeyed God's command? You get that moment in your sin, you get that moment with your life, and you know it's wrong, man. You know it. And I want to tell you something. If you know your sin's wrong, that's the Holy Spirit of God in your life telling you this is wrong. 
It's not you. It's not some moralism. It's the Spirit of God breaking through, saying, this isn't righteousness, man. This isn't what I have. This isn't my best for you. And if in your life you, you have that moment and you go, but I'm going to anyway, open disobedience. Willful disobedience. I wonder this. Who would be the hardest person? I want you to think about this for a minute. Right now, maybe, no, just close your eyes for a second, maybe. Just close your eyes with me. And bring to mind someone who would be the hardest person that you'd have to share the gospel with, the truth of Jesus. You can open your eyes. I mean, who did God bring to mind? Oh, I'll tell my neighbor, but I, but I won't tell fill in the blank. I'll go over here. I'll, I'll go over there. But I won't go here. Is it a people group? Is it a person? Is it a person? that You would say, man, no way, God. No way. Send somebody else. I have, I have mine. I do. Let me ask you this. Do those in your life immediately around you even know you're a believer in Jesus? <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that like judgmentally, but do they even know? Uh, Chris and I had an experience this week where we were around family. We talked about that, how impactful and how much people know of our faith and stuff. And so we started asking people who were close to us some questions about our spiritual life, and we were discouraged to hear that they didn't know the answers. We feel like we're always communicating the gospel, what we believe, what we know. But do people around us really know what we believe? The people in your home or the people at your job? I'm not talking about guilt, you man. I'm just saying, do they know? Does it come out naturally? What would it take for you uh, to know that God is serious about what he wants from you in your life? You know, I can't imagine Jonah knew what was coming for him when he got on that boat. But God was serious. And that was grace to Jonah. What would it take for you to understand that God is serious about you? He's not joking around. Um, a couple more. Uh, do you believe, I'm going to maybe stop here, but do you believe that if you're obedient to God, just that, listening and responding, that that would be a blessing to others in your life? No matter how comfortable you are with it, no matter if you want to do it or not, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I will obey you and see what you bring. Lord, I don't know how it's going to come out. I'm going to go have this conversation. I don't know where it's going to go. Are you willing to do that, trusting and believing that in your obedience, God will be honored and others will be blessed? You see, much like Jonah, I think some of us believe if we, sh if we show up and share the gospel, people are going to continue in their sin and be condemned to hell. But what if they repent? What if? It'd be awesome to be part of that kind of work. Why would we not believe that's what God's, God's doing? I'm going to ask you to pray with me, um, and then we're going to share in communion this morning. Um, but I, before we share in communion, I want, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I want, I just want to pray about these things. Who are those people in your life? Let me ask you this. Do you know the gospel yourself? I mean, do you understand that God gave his son to die on the cross so that you might receive his grace and mercy in full? 
There's no other catches, no other hitches, nothing else. There's no to-do list, no, 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 no Christians you have to look like or act like, that Jesus came down to save you. It's the gospel, man. If you don't know that, why reject God's grace? Why forfeit God's mercy? It makes no sense. Pray with me if you would. Uh, Father God, as you uh, have come and ministered to us today, we give you praise and glory. And Father, we pray that um, you would just break through in our lives in a real way. And we, we are not here to invent our own reality of who you are, but we want to know you in reality. We want to experience you fully. And Father God, uh, I do give you praise and glory for the great work you do in our lives, bringing sinners to repentance that we know of our brokenness and our sinfulness and our disobedience, and yet we know that you are this loving and enduring and, and uh, ever-caring God who continues to show grace and mercy generation after generation that don't deserve it. We give you thanks and praise for that. And Father God, I, I just pray uh, so much for my friends who are here who, don't, who haven't received even the gospel for themselves yet, who don't think it's for them that you would break through in their life in a real way that's you, that's you, that you're celebrated, that it's all about you, Father. May you do that work as you see fit, and we will celebrate with you when you work because only you do it. That's why it's so fun to watch you work, Father. Um, Father, for, for all of us who are holding on to resentment and hurts and anger and judgment and looking at people wrong, would you just rip our hearts apart for your love for people? Man, we just have hearts that are like yours, that no matter how stinky or sin-filled or wrong or evil, that you love people and that you've called us to come and bring a message to repent and believe good news. May you do that work, Father, and we be obedient in that work. And Father God, for all the work, everything, even our salvation, may we give you praise and glory forever because you alone are worthy. We thank you for the Holy Spirit's presence. We thank you for this time of worship together. In Jesus' name, amen.